Welcome to the Project Life Mastery Podcast, where it's all about inspiring change and transforming lives. And here's your host. He's an Amazon best-selling author, six-figure blogger, internet marketer, and one of the top life coaches in the world, Stefan Palernos. Hey, this is Stefan from ProjectLifeMastery.com. Today, I'm interviewing a good friend of mine, Taylor Conroy, who's the founder of Change Heroes. And uh, Taylor today is going to share a little bit about his story and his organization, but um, I've met Taylor on a few occasions here in Vancouver through mutual friends, and I've been really, <laughs> really inspired by what he's doing. And, you know, he's going to tell you about his organization, but uh, he basically creates these, he has a platform that allows people to raise money to build schools all over the world. And uh, if you've been following my blog, you guys know that one of my goals this year is to build two schools. And uh, I've already taken initiative to build one of them, and we're raising money right now for my school in Ecuador. And um, I guess my, my purpose of this interview is I want – I'm hoping that your story will inspire people to, to kind of get them out of themselves and want to give and contribute in some way, um, and I, whether it's building a school or whatever it might be. But I think your story can inspire a lot of people and um, – to, to maybe contribute or give, but also to maybe take initiative and make it some sort of difference in the world, whatever it might be. And you found what you're passionate about in the area that you want to contribute the most in, which is amazing. But I want to encourage people to, to do a similar thing. So, um, man, I want to thank you for taking the time today. But do you want to maybe start just by sharing how you got into, you know, your past history and how you got into doing what you're doing now? Sure. Sounds great. Thanks for having me, Stefan. It's an honor. To be with you and Buddha today. What is that? Is a Buddha? What it are is, the words on there? What does it say? I don't even know. You know what? It's funny. Like I don't even know what it says. Like, but it just looked cool. I think it looks amazing. And you got your goals on your glass whiteboard back there. That's right. That's right. Damn. So, okay, yeah. So the uh, my history be, before getting into change heroes was, uh, you know, most people ask, you know, what was like the moment? What's like the one thing that happened that made you, you know, switch from? I had a real estate company. Switch from real estate into, you know, the social good world. And I don't think it's it's never as simple as that. But I know that with sometimes people have to like condense it into an article or a blog post, so they have to. You can really say one thing. Um, but I'll say I'll tell you something that happened to me that. I don't usually – usually I say, well, I went on this trip to Kenya and Uganda and it was an amazing experience and transformational and life-changing and I came home and really wanted to do something for the world and then I built this fundraising platform. But there's a lot of other things that happened you know, leading up to that and one thing which I think ties more into your, your blog and your YouTube channel and what you advocate for is – Talking about Project Life Mastery, a lot of it was was selfish. It was it was me feeling like, okay, I'm me in my heart and my soul. I'm not feeling totally fulfilled right now, so I want more. That's what it was in, initially. That's what was the catalyst of it was, was me wanting something for me, not necessarily wanting something for the world. And what happens? What happened was I went through um, the first, let's say, my twenties, almost all of my twenties really chasing after external goals, whether it was, um, you know, I really wanted to be a firefighter when I was in my early 20s. So I became a firefighter. It was great. Um, and then I was like, actually, you know what? I want to be able to make more money. So I started selling real estate on the side on my days off from firefighting. And, and I set this big goal. I was like, I want to be a millionaire because then I'll be happy. Then I'll be fulfilled. This is what I thought. I was 23 at the time when I set that goal. It took me three years to hit it, hit it. And I was like, yes, I'm now I'm totally fulfilled. Wait a second. No, I'm not. Um, yeah. Now I actually have. Now I'm busier. I have less time to myself. I have less freedom, and that I thought I would. I know what it is. I know I just need. To, I want to travel. That's what it is. That'll fulfill me. And so I took a year off. I traveled the 
the world. I went to 15 different countries. There's obviously a lot more than 15 countries in the world, but um, a number of different continents, traveled a lot, and, and still was feeling unfulfilled. And so it was really, it was this selfish, um, not in a bad way, but this, this, this search for fulfillment in myself, going through all of these different um, mechanisms, you know, outward, uh, external ways of getting fulfillment. To, and I finally, um, after failing at getting fulfillment from any of those places, stumbled upon giving. And I went on, a, I went on that trip to Uganda and came to find what my cause was, to find something that was bigger than me because I realized that money and or relationships or travel or all those things wasn't actually going to bring me lasting fulfillment. And so I went on this trip to Uganda, Kenya, found my cause, which, which at the time was education. Um, I got home. I funded a library in, uh, in Kenya. And the feeling that I got when, when they told me that I had funded this library in this village that we had visited, um, the feeling that I got was, um, you know, unexplainable. And I can't even convey how amazing it felt. And I, and I was like, oh, that's the feeling that I was looking for. That's the one. And then being an entrepreneur like you are, like so many of your viewers are, you, we get a bit obsessive and want, you know, more and want to scale things and grow things bigger. And so I thought, well, how can I build more projects? How can I build schools? How can I build more libraries, more education projects to educate more kids, impact more families and, and villages and communities and countries? And that's where we, that was the, the beginning of coming up with Change Heroes, which is, as you know, an online friend funding platform enables anyone to raise $10,000 in a really short amount of time. You're at $4,000 already and you've only been doing it for, where is this? like a week or something like that. Like you're crushing. Um, so, and, and, and it's, that's not, that's not atypical to just like an average person. You know, we've had, um, almost 400 people run campaigns, just like what you're doing now. We've raised about $1.7 million funding 170 projects in, in 12 countries by do, and the whole reason behind it to make a really short answer massively long. The, the whole reason behind it was to give people the feeling that I had, when I funded that first library, because you're going to get it, Stefan, you're going to yeah, feel it. Yeah. So you finish this school, I mean, you're already feeling it now. So yeah. you finish the school, that that feeling, it's like it activates something in your brain that has never been activated before, or has been activated on a smaller level. But once it gets like it, it hits, you're you're never going to be the same, and you're going to want to do another project, and you're going to want to do what you're doing now, which is inspire other people to do more projects, and you yeah, will yeah. feel more fulfilled in the process. You know, it's like this win-win-win-win-win thing, and I'll. Stop talking there. Yeah, that's, that's an amazing story, man. And yeah, you covered a lot of things I want to jump into. But man, like I think there's so many people that can relate to, to kind of how you started off, which is we usually start off chasing a goal, money, success, um, things as a more selfish kind of level. And it sounds like for you, and a lot of people never get out of that, you know, but for you, you, you got to a point where you wanted to look for more answers and discovery and you wanted to fund a school. And, and it, you, now you've made this like, incredible transition it seems like was it scary for you to go from that point of you know just I want to make money and stuff and now you're, you're you know you're you've got this organization you're doing this as like a full-time thing to have an impact and stuff do you find that's kind of been a scary or difficult transition in any way yeah I mean, I, it was scary it was okay it was two different scarinesses and one was it was scary to leave um, a really high-paying real estate career that afforded me a lifestyle that I really liked. I had this really nice house by the ocean. I had a brand new truck, you know, crotch rocket, anything that you would get in your mid twenties as, as a dude. And, um, and I had all these, these great things and it was scary to leave that. But what was scarier 
what was petrifying, frightening, terrifying was the thought of me continuing to chase financial goals, thinking that they would give me fulfillment in the end, realizing every single time that I hit them that I just wanted to chase another goal. Just wanted to, like, once it was a million, I wanted, okay, actually, you know what I need is 10 million. Yeah. And then after that, it would be 100 million. Because as you make more money, right. as you get more success, yeah. as yeah. the society um, deems it, your friends become more successful. You know, like the peer groups that you're in become more successful. There's always going to be another level. You're never going to like, there's some saying I heard, you're never going to have the biggest boat. And I saw, what I saw was I saw guys who are 50 and 70 and 40 and whatever, years and years older than I was still doing what I was doing when I was, when I, when I was 20. And I was like, you know what, what I'm doing right now is a clear path to midlife crisis. Because yeah. then you start that more and more and more mentality relates to money, relates yeah. to your job, yeah. relates to a bigger boat. It relates to having three different wives because you want a better and a better and better, right. never actually being yeah. fully content. Yeah. And I, I saw that was freaking terrifying was the thought process of continuing to do this competitive um, one-upping yeah. Yeah. mentality. And, and I know I'm making all my answers really long for some reason, but the one thing I also wanted to mention is that I, I don't want us to fall in the paradigm of you can go and make money or you can do social good. It's one or the other. Yeah. That's not it at all. Like I did not go and start a nonprofit and I'm not, you know, paying my people $20,000 a year and, and no one's, you know, financially fulfilled. I have a for-profit social enterprise that pays people what they're worth. I pay myself what I feel that I'm worth at this moment. I do pay myself like the lowest in the company, but that's what I think a CEO should do at this point, or almost the lowest in the company, I should say, um, because you know you can set a precedent that it's a startup culture and it's lean and whatnot. But anyways, I don't want to digress too much. And just saying that that mentality of you can yeah. make much money or you can start a nonprofit and be fulfilled, that's all BS. It doesn't exist anymore. That It's an old, gross, broken paradigm. You can have a social enterprise. Change Heroes is, you know, it's it's a at this moment is a multi million dollar company. Mm-hmm. But the thing is that the it is its impact is completely intrinsically j- combined with its revenue. We cannot make a cent unless we're doing good in the world. So you funding a schoolhouse, you know, we'll get a per- percentage of the funds that you raise, five percent of your schoolhouse, will go to Change Heroes, mm-hmm. and we'll be able to build a business. So we cannot make money without doing good. Right. And so that's what I just want to get across because I know the people that follow you are following you because you're living this you know, successful life, right. making money, doing yeah. work from home and all that kind of in stuff. In business, you've got to make money in order to reach more people and all that anyways, right? And that's, that's I think one thing that people don't really understand is like, you know, you, you, you want to do well and it allows you to, to do more. You have more resources and everything to make even bigger difference. So yep. that's great. And just even referencing what you said before, um, I remember um, I made a big shift in my life. You know, Tony Robbins, he, I don't know if you're familiar with this, but he talks about the six human needs. Tony Robbins. Okay, come on. <laughs> he talks about the six human needs and, you know, a lot of people, most people are significance-driven and certainty-driven. And whenever you have significance as when you're driving needs, you're never fulfilled or happy because it's never enough. You always need more and more and more and you're always comparing yourself to other people. Right. And then certainty as well, whenever you have that, you – Certainty requires you to always have control over your world and everything. And so you never really grow because you always have to remain in your comfort zone or things have to go a certain way. And so he says that the spiritual needs are growth and contribution. And for me, I made a big shift in my life where I decided that I was going to put contribution as one of my top needs above significance. 
And it was kind of scary at first, but mm. now almost everything that I do is like, I still have goals to make a certain amount of money and all this, but the driving force is more contribution and then significance is more secondary. So for me, like when I think about creating a new project or putting out a video or something like that, I'm always thinking how I can impact people with that. And I think it's a different mentality of just, you know, doing what you're doing, but thinking of it more as helping people and adding value to other people's lives. And that's really been a big shift um, for me. And that's, that's why like for me now, like, making more money doesn't really change my life in any way. It's like, cool, like more money in the bank or another car or something like that. But um, it's, it's not going to really significantly impact my life, whereas the contribution and, and the growth and making a difference, for me, that's just so much more rewarding. So I think I want to encourage people to get out of that paradigm. And, um, you know, you can still make money and do well, but do it from a place of wanting to genuinely add value and help people. Yeah, and something I'd say I would say because I can hear some people that are watching you right now going, "Well, it's easy for him to say when he's saying it's just another car," and they're like, "I want my first car," or you know what I mean? I want to be able to yeah. put food on the table. And I think that's something that's really important in no matter what. And it's actually it's actually a Tony Robbins thing. It's funny that we're talking about him. I was listening to one of his programs, and I was probably like 21 or something like that. So this is like 12 years ago. I'm 33 now, and it was saying if you won't if you won't give 10% out of a dollar, then you'll never give 100,000 out of a million. Talking about giving 10% of your income, and so he was one of the big catalysts of, of me giving 10% of my income to charity far before I was making a good income. It was when I was a firefighter. I remember distinctly I was $15,000 in debt, had no idea how I would get out of it. I did had no other stream of income except for my firefighting paycheck, which was $1,100 every two weeks. And, and I was like, how am I ever going to pay this $15,000 back? It sounded like this insane amount of money at the time. And I didn't know how to do it. And reading books on giving and, and and business in general, business any really good business book will have a component where it talks about you have to give away a certain percentage of your income. And and so I started giving away 10% of my income before I ever had ever made money. And that was and it sucked at first I was like, ugh, like I'm giving away $110 of my eleven hundred dollar check to and I'm like, I can't afford to do this. I'm in debt. And that is you know it's it's very um, paradoxical or it's counterintuitive type thinking that that giving has to start before you make the money because if we're going to talk like metaphysical universe and the universe says, you know, why would I give you money if you're not going to give it away? You know what I mean? And so that was a habit that I set really early when I was 20 and that just ended up continuing, continuing, continuing until I was in real estate and then actually making really good money and then that contribution became more and more and then the big shift was what if, what if I could actually give 90% of my money and only keep 10%? Wow. You know, wouldn't that be incredible if that was my life? And and then further to us talking about you can make money and do good. The thing is, when you start to feel so fulfilled by whatever, however you want to call it, doing good or funding schools or whatever it is, when you start to feel all of that fulfillment, those other needs of feeling fulfillment through whether it's significance or whatever it is, they start to fade. They're still there. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's not like I don't compare myself to other like social do-gooders. We do that. We're human beings. Like sometimes if I'm like in a funk kind of thing and I'm like looking online and I see someone who's like made this massive impact in the world, I'm like, oh, what is, that guy's probably a dick or something like that. <laughs> to myself, be like, did you just say that? Are you yeah. comparing yourself like yeah. who's done? more. We're human beings. That doesn't go away. It doesn't change. You know what I mean? I still get 
jealous and I still feel all of that stuff, but it's just higher quality problems, I guess you could say. So at the, at the end of the day, yeah. feeling that much fulfillment lets those things kind of subside a lot more. Um, and it, it makes your need for material wants just kind of subside in the, in the process. It's awesome. Yeah. And I think, I think when you're getting to, it's, it's not the amount, it's the habit, you know, the habit's more important than the amount, whether it's just a small amount, like every little amount makes a difference, you know, and even I've noticed this with my fundraiser campaign, you know, some people want to give, we'll talk about the structure of your platform and stuff, but some people want to give the $3, 33 cents per day. Other people, I'm like, you know, just give 10 bucks, like whatever you have, like, yeah. You know, don't worry about the amount as much, just contribute in some way. And I think a lot of people, they're held back by giving because they're like, I don't, I can't afford it. I don't have the money. And they're in that scarcity thinking. So I love that you shared that of just, you know, you've got it. It's the mentality when, when you're, you're broke. And one thing I love, um, Sir John Templeton, one of the greatest investors, he was really into tithing and giving away 10% of your income. He said he's never seen anyone not become extremely wealthy and successful but by, by not, not tithing. So everyone that he's noticed has that, had that mentality and given 10% has gone on to be, become very financially successful, which is really amazing. You know? Yeah. Yeah. The, the, to, to say no one has ever gotten really, really wealthy without yeah. giving. Yes. Yeah. 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 yeah, exactly. Cool, man. So do you want to maybe share a little bit how everything works? Just to, you know, sure. you have the, a really cool concept. Yeah, I guess it, it's all modeled after the first campaign that we ever ran, which was in 2011, um, where I reached, I made a list of 33 of my friends. I really like the number three, as you can see. Um, I, uh, I made a list of 33 of my friends, and I decided I was going to ask them all to give $3.33 a day for three months. And I broke it down like that because I know that if I was to go to them and say, hey, can you give me 300 bucks towards this charity project? They'd be like, Ugh, I don't have 300 bucks. But I knew that they all bought coffee every day or a tea or a slice of pizza or whatever. It's like the same as prices parking downtown for two hours. And so I, I, uh, I reached out to them. And, and when I reached out to them, I didn't want to just send them all like one mass email. You know, because I get, I get crowdfunding emails all the time being like, hey, I've launched a project on Kickstarter. I'm spamming you and 3,000 other people hoping that you'll all give $10. You know what I mean? There's no action. There's no accountability. There's no personalization. There's no, like, I'm not really actually that tied to the project kind of thing. I don't feel any social obligation to give to the project, same as an Indiegogo campaign or anything that's more of like a template-based kind of system. And so what I did was I wanted to scale the one thing that matters most in fundraising, which is face-to-face contact. You know, if Stefan, you and I just on Skype right now, pretend you're not recording this. If we were just on Skype right now and you weren't involved in my campaign or doing your own campaign, and I said, look, Stefan, I want to build a school in Kenya. It's going to educate like 50 kids a year for 20 years. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be in Ecuador. Can you give to it? Can you please give to it? You looking in my eyes, mm-hmm. chances are the vast majority of people asked face-to-face by a friend will give. Yeah, yeah. And that's never been able to be scaled before. The best approach, the best attempt at scaling that is those people on the streets with the, like, the vest on right, and the big right. binder and they're like, hey, how's your day? Like, do you want to save kids today? Or, or they'll say something like, do you want to end cancer today? And you're like, no thanks. Yeah. And you, you know what I mean? And they kind of rope you in. That's the best, that's the biggest, best attempt at um, face-to-face contact and scaling it. And so I, I was like, you know what? We've got all this technology at our fingertips. I wonder if we can scale face-to-face technology or face-to-face um, contact with technology. And so what I did is I made 33 videos, one each for every single one of my friends. So the one for you would say, Stefan, we're building a school. I want to build a school in Kenya, blah, 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 blah. You know, here's how it works. And I would tell you about how, how it all works. You would watch this. You'd feel super 
socially obligated for, for a technical term, but you feel con- connected to my cause, you know, and you know that we're going to see each other for coffee next week. So you're going to want to probably give to it before we do get to see each other for coffee. So I made a, a little video for each of my 30, 33 friends, sent them all out. So they felt warm and tingly and personalized. They all gave $3.33 a day for three months, 33 people equals $10,000. We funded a school in Kenya um, that'll educate roughly a thousand kids over the next, uh, over the next 20, 30 years. Um, so that's how the platform works. And it took yeah. us, took us a year to, to then take that test campaign and scale it and, and, um, build the proprietary technology that would enable someone to record a video from their laptop yeah. or their phone, stitch it together with the animated video that, that you've seen on your, on your page, pop it on a donation page and actually build it in something that would scale. Um, and like I said, since then we've had, you know, few hundred people for, we have had like 6,000 people from 40 countries give $3 and 33 cents a day for three months. And it's all because of guys like you tapping into your network right. and right. one of them maybe tapping into their network and then one of them, you know what I mean? And that's how it kind of has kind of grown yeah. roughly from there. Awesome. Yeah. And you have a very seamless process to have. It's awesome. Um, so you raise ten thousand dollars. You know what happens after that? You know, can you share a little bit of the the process of the ten thousand dollars? What does that build? You know, what happens? So it depends on which what country you want to build your school in, and obviously every country every every country is different for from reasons to do with government to weather to materials resources. Mm-hmm. So your school is going to in Ecuador, yep. uh, in the Amazon region of Ecuador, in a, in the in the province of uh, Napo. So your school will actually be probably about 300 feet from a river called the Napa River, which is one of the two rivers that feeds into form the Amazon River. So you can think of these like big, deep, rich, life-giving rivers surrounded by intense, thick jungles, the most plants and animal species on earth. That's where your, your school is going to go. So your school is going to be, it's basically a separated classroom. It's one big classroom. It'll hold roughly 50 kids. Um, in, in your school, in particular, because it's in the Amazon, it rains a ton in the Amazon, so it's got a double-layered tin roof with insulation in between, because the old schools that they're using in that region have one layer of tin roof. So you can imagine Amazonian rain. It's not like Vancouver rain. Yeah. It's like Vancouver rain on steroids, pounding on a tin roof. They can't hear the teachers. They can't go to school. Um, your school is going to be raised about four feet off the ground, which means after the really heavy rains, when it gets flooded... Kids can still go to school. It doesn't flood out the classrooms, which is what's happening now in schools down there. Um, it'll have you know insulated walls, have like screened-in windows so that the bugs can't get in. You know, it's a really high-quality schoolhouse that, that the kids are going to get to go to because of you. That's in Ecuador. Those those schoolhouses typically take about nine months to build after all the money is in. So you do your campaign. Your friends donate three dollars thirty-three cents a day for three months. So after that three months is up, all the money's in. They send it down to Ecuador. They build the schoolhouse. And sometimes it could take it could take a month to build the schoolhouse if they have all the resources, all the manpower, and everyone there to do it. It could take up to nine months, depending on if it's in the rainy season or the dry season, depending on other factors. Mm-hmm. And then if you look at Kenya, similar but different in the way that they might not have the resources, they might not have um, let's say the materials available at the time, but it will typically take about nine months. And our like North American mentality is like so linear, like money's in. Nine months, school should be built. Yeah. We're working in the most rural regions and the most marginalized communities on earth. It's not like they can just go down and hire a construction crew and slap up a schoolhouse. Sometimes they take a short time. Sometimes they take a long time. They take as long as um, as, as is needed um, by the community to get it done. And who runs the school after that and, and the ongoing, I guess, maintenance and sustaining that? So the, the countries that we work in, there's eight countries. 
Uh, there's Kenya, Sierra Leone, Ghana, Nicaragua, Ecuador, Haiti, mm. uh, China, and India. I'm just starting in Dominican Republic, but those eight for sure that you can fund a school in right now. And those school, those countries have adopted universal education or primary education in that the government pays for the teachers to teach in these schools. So Free the Children, which is the implementing partner of your school, that's who's actually building the school. We're the fundraising mechanism, and Free the Children is going to be building your school. They have partnered with the local community. They've partnered with the local government, and they will liaise between the community and the government to say, hey, there's a schoolhouse here, you guys need to provide another teacher um, and make sure that the teachers are there, that the, that the school is sustainable. And it's sustainable, I'm going, to, I'm going to rally through this really quick, okay, because it could take a while. To, I'm going to explain the holistic approach behind the schoolhouse, okay? Your schoolhouse is part of a five-part holistic approach called Adopt a Village. There's five pillars. One is education, which is what you're doing. Two, sustainable agriculture. Three, water and sanitation. Four, um, medical services. And five is women's alternative income programs. And for, for your school to be fully sustainable, all five of those things need to be in place, mm. right? So the women have to be able to make money so that they can um, support their families. The schools need to be there. There needs to be water programs. There needs to be sustainable agriculture. There needs to be medical, medical services. All of those things form this holistic um, approach. And your school is forming one pillar of that five-pillar approach. Wow. Cool. Um, my next question is, you know, I, I know you've, you've gone to some of these countries, you know, you've gone to Kenya, you've gone to these different ones. What is, what have you, what have you seen it to be the impact of this? Cause you know, I'm planning to go to Ecuador down the road and actually see this and film it and everything. But actually I, I can imagine it's going to be an incredible feeling just actually going there and seeing it. But can you maybe describe now that you've built so many schools, what's been the impact in these communities and in these children's lives? Sure. Um, you know, the best example, the most time that I've spent in a country that Free the Children's working in is, is in Kenya. I've gone down there a couple times, and <clears throat> I guess I've gone down there three times. And the biggest, um, the biggest difference that we see is between the, the communities that have schools and this five-part holistic approach to them and those communities that don't have schools and what the kids are doing day-to-day. Um, and you have to picture, you have to think about this, these are really, really rural. You land in Nairobi, then you fly on another regional um, flight out into the Masamara region, then you drive for a couple hours way, way out into the Rift Valley, which is where the first human walked. So there's no like telephone poles or big buildings or anything like that. There's huts with spears and, and little schoolhouses all over the place. And so the, the impact that this has directly on the kids is that during the day, they're expanding their minds. They're actually learning. They're learning things that their parents aren't equipped to teach them. They're learning. Yes, they're learning math, science, geography, social studies. You know, all that kind of stuff like they would learn um, in the in the Kenyan um, uh, curriculum. But they're also learning things like family planning. They're, so, meaning you don't have to have ten kids. You can have two if you want. You can have three. They're learning gender equality. So the boys are learning that that girls are just as smart, if not smarter. And girls are learning that they're just as smart, if not smarter. And they're learning um, about finances. They're learning things that are going to affect them their entire lives. Okay, so instead of being trapped in this cycle of not having not having an education, therefore going to repeat the patterns that have potentially plagued their family for generations in some cases, um, like being basically having no no choice but to sell firewood at the local market for money so that you can buy some sugar, um, or as, or as the men may be falling into, uh, let's just say other patterns, um, that are prohibitive of evolving and moving a community forward. 
And so these, the effects on the kids are monumental. And the biggest one that you'll see, I think, um, Stefan, is when you go to Ecuador and you see the village of Mandania, which is where your school is going to get built, and you see what the kids are doing there. You see that the women are empowered and they are making money so they can tr- contribute to their families. You know, this is like part of that holistic approach. And then we also see other communities where these where these initiatives are not working in. And you can talk about the the different things that are playing in that village. Um, and then you can see the cycle that they're kind of stuck in. And kids have no, there's no choice of their own. There's no actual opportunity for them to break that cycle yeah. unless this type of thing is put in place. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, and that's part of the reason why I thought education, just because I, I feel that, I mean, the difference that you can make is a ripple effect. You know, you help these children and it's going to help the entire country, the entire city, you know, everything that they have there just by these little things of just educating children to, to turn everything around, you know? So I feel that it's a, it's a really amazing way to have a high impact and really leverage, leverage your money resources in the best way. Um, I guess just my last, just to, to wrap it up here pretty soon is, um, you know, people that are watching this, um, you know, awesome that they're actually made it this far and actually watching this, which is pretty cool. But um, I want to encourage them in some way to take initiative and to maybe either give and contribute to an existing campaign or to maybe do one on their own. So do you have any maybe final thoughts or words for anyone out there that's watching this right now and they're actually interested in getting started to give or do the whole thing? So, yeah, good timing because I got off the phone this morning, the conference call I mentioned to you uh, this morning with uh, RBC, Royal Bank. And so we and Free the Children are partnering with uh, Royal Bank and Royal Bank has is fronting four all-inclusive paid trips to Ecuador to the village where your school is going to go. And we're launching – this is – okay. I wonder if I'm even allowed to talk. When are you posting this? Um, (laughs) Maybe in let's, like another week or two. Let's talk about it before you post it, okay. but because the with the rules and regs aren't out yet, and, and I'm not supposed to talk about it until they are. But let's just talk about it a bit. So, four all-inclusive paid trips to Ecuador. This is talking getting into Quito, driving for eight hours into the mountains of Ecuador, into the jungle, going from like the city into the mountains into the deep jungle, Amazonian jungle, where there's legitimate indigenous cultures and shamans and piranha-filled waters. And getting in this motorized canoe, going up the Napa River, getting to this community called Mondania, staying at this really cool eco lodge, which is where where I stayed last time, and uh, and getting to visit the communities, helping to build a school, helping to really get involved with the community and actually do something. And so Royal Bank is going is 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 buying these trips. This is this trip for four. And the way that someone can win this trip for four, meaning you could win it and bring three of your friends, um, is we're running. We're going to be running more change yours campaigns that are supporting the women's alternative income projects. So people are going to be not asked to raise $10,000. They're just going to be asked to raise $3,000. So they're going to get all of their friends. So you have a dollar a day for three months, which is so 33 friends giving a dollar a day for three months equals $3,000 and raising, and everyone's going to be trying to raise $3,000. The person who raises the most overall is going to win this trip for them and their three friends down to Ecuador to see the village um, in person. So my suggestion at this moment would be to go to changeshows.com, put your name in, um, just like you're signing up for a regular campaign because all of those people will be contacted regarding this contest. So they can sign up. They don't have to launch a campaign right away. Actually, we would tell them not to launch a campaign right away. We would say, wait and launch your campaign in March. You know, it gives you lots of time to think about it. You know, get your friends on your list, get them prepped. And then once once they do launch, you know, just hit the ground running 
and potentially win a trip for them, like a ridiculously life-changing, yeah. transformative yeah. trip to, uh, to Ecuador. Wow, that's awesome. Cool, man. Well, thank you so much uh, for taking the time for this. And again, I just want to encourage people, changeheroes.com. Um, I'll have links below this video and stuff so people can check it out. And um, you know, if you guys want to contribute to my campaign, I appreciate it. Or start your own. Happy to support you in that as well. Stefan, yeah. that's actually a really good point. Is like like what you're talking about, you know, getting in the habit of giving. Yeah. You know, I know another thing to, I'm a big Tony Robbins fan. Um, I was totally joking that I hadn't heard of him. <laughs> one of a thing that he says is never leave the site of setting a goal without taking one step towards that goal, right? Yeah. And so or or, or changing uh, a pattern. So if, if someone's watching this and they want to change your pattern to be more giving, yeah. Ignore that stupid voice in your head that's saying, I'll do it later. It's lying. It's trying to keep you in an old pattern that doesn't serve you and do something right now. Go to Stefan's campaign, even give $10, get in the habit of giving, feel how good it feels to give to that campaign because you giving to that campaign, 500 karma points, other people are going to give more readily to your campaign when you launch yours. Awesome, man. I appreciate that. Cool. Well, thank you so much for taking the time. I think this interview, we covered a lot of areas, but it'll really inspire people, hopefully bring a lot of awareness. Uh, to what you're doing and hopefully people will give as well. So cool. thank you, man. Thanks, brother. Right. Talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to the Project Life Mastery Podcast. Make sure to visit the blog at www.projectlifemastery.com for more videos, podcasts, and articles that can help you take your life to the next level. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.